Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Over the years, the uh, you know the concept of being a landlord has has held appeal as either a, a great business to be in, or perhaps uh, serving as an investment plan for a secondary source of income um, that may have been buying homes or condos and using them as rental properties, or or investing in commercial property to lease to other businesses. Um, e- either way, there can be a tremendous financial upside if executed properly, and of course, uh, being able to navigate negative market conditions, which, of course, come up from time to time. Now, there's also some risk involved, even in the best situations, not the least of which is dealing with tenants who don't pay their rent, either on time or in some cases at all. We'll talk about that scenario today, along with my guest, Attorney Timothy Hughes. Mr. Hughes is a partner at Lavelle Law. He's joined us a number of times in the past here on the podcast and always look forward to the conversation. So, Tim, thank you for taking the time. Nice to speak with you. How are you again? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me, and I uh, look forward to our talk today. Now, I'm, I'm going to say I always like to start with these basic questions, but but this one is probably as simple as it gets. But just just to make sure, so when when we talk about rental property, I I have to assume that in every case there's a lease that that spells out lease payment amounts, when they're due, um, you know how often they're due, and and any ramifications if they're not paid. I mean, is that the normal starting point that we'd have for a discussion like this? There should be, and of course, uh, hearing that qualifier, uh, you know there's exceptions, and the exceptions are quite numerous. Uh, month-to-month leases. Somebody says, oh, I don't have a lease with the guy, he's just there. Uh, that is a lease. It's a uh, de facto month-to-month. So uh, any agreement where a owner of property gives the individual uh possession of the property and expect some rental, uh, he's created a lease. But the better way to do it is to document it, to say, hey, from this date to this date, you have the property and month or and monthly you have to pay X dollars uh, on or before the first or 15th or whatever day is chosen, typically the first. And um, that way, everybody knows the rules that uh, each other has to abide by. Yeah, and when you talk about those payment and payment dates, do do leases frequently include a you know grace period of some sort for a, a payment, or are those kind of gone by the wayside now? The grace period is in there, but the due date is still the due date. Uh, the due date uh-huh. is on or before the first, and then the grace period is we won't charge you interest or a late fee if you pay it within five days or ten days or seven. But okay. it's due on the first, on or before Got the it. first. It's just that any kind of charges don't usually kick in until that grace period is run. But the due date is the due date is the due date. Okay. And as we talk about the the lease uh, in in broad terms, um, you know what what sort of rights are are generally assigned to the landlord in these types of agreements? 
Well, uh, just the collection of rent, possibly the uh, right to inspect the property if there's concerns about issues, and then the landlord's rights in case of tenant's default. The tenant's entitled to quiet enjoyment of the premises during the tenancy of the lease or the term of the lease, and uh, if there's not payment made, then the landlord has to uh, assert his rights to say, I'm collecting late fees or I am pursuing an eviction. And, um, you know, the contract written, at least in Illinois, if it says that he can collect attorney fees, will allow him to collect attorney fees in the default. If that's not in a written lease or the written lease doesn't say he can collect costs of enforcing any default, then he will not get attorney fees. So... Uh, having it in writing is very important for the landlord. Yeah. So let's let's kind of walk through the process here. Um, you know, sometimes there's just a, a slip up. Other times there's there's true default. So let's let's start with the first time infraction. As a landlord, what what should you do the first time a, a payment is missed? Um, what I encourage uh, clients who are landlords is you know just get on the phone or email or text and say hey. Uh, Dear tenant, you're always promptly paying on the first, and today is the second, and I didn't get my check yesterday. Is everything okay, or is there a concern? And uh, or you know, find out what they have to say about it. Because if uh, it got put in the mail and it's just late, you don't want to necessarily um, hit the panic button, but you want to mm-hmm. promptly follow up on the second day to say. You know, is there a problem? And if the tenant is having a problem, he may say, oh, I uh, lost my job and I don't have money for rent. <clears throat> and then in which case then the landlord's got to say, well, are you contacting family or doing something because I can't, you know, let you have the property until you find a new job. Uh, but sure. Or there may have been a medical emergency or something, but, you know, Getting information is always good for the landlord to find out. Is it just an isolated incident that caused the mm-hmm. check to be late, or is it not coming? Yeah, and, and in the case if it's not coming, uh, maybe maybe the, you know someone stops answering the phone calls too, and and they're not responding. Mm-hmm. You know, if correction corrective action isn't taken, what what options does the landlord have at that point? Well, if the if the tenant is kind of going in radio silence and the landlord hasn't received that payment, then the landlord has to assume the worst and should act quickly because even though an eviction proceeding is a fairly quick lawsuit, it is still a lawsuit and it's not instantaneous. It takes, you know, on a if everything goes smoothly from the start of the process to when the sheriff shows up, it could be 45 plus days. So, you know, just waiting another week or two to hope to hear from the tenant, uh, landlords should start the ball rolling because they can always pull the plug on the eviction proceeding once they hear back from the tenant and they're satisfied as to the condition. But Mm -hmm. if they don't hear from the tenant... Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, because I I want to follow through and I want to be clear about this because I I guess there's two ways I can ask this. 
I had initially in my notes here, you know, said when should a landlord start an eviction process? I guess part B of that is when can they? Is there is there any time period or so many missed payments before they're actually allowed to begin eviction, or can they do it really at any time? Uh, they have to put the tenant on notice of the default, and that default doesn't occur until the missed payment. So giving a tenant a five-day notice or a 10-day or whatever the prescribed notice length is in the lease, and if there's not a written lease, then it's a five-day notice. Tendering that five-day notice on the first of the month makes that defective because the tenant could say, hey, I was going to make payment at uh, uh, on the way home at 8 o'clock or something. So the payment has to be late before the issuance of the five-day notice. So that means on the second, you tender the five-day notice, and d- that day of tendering is not counted. It's the five days start the day after the five-day notice is tendered, so that would be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. So it wouldn't be proper for the landlord to file a lawsuit until the eighth of the month because mm-hmm. the tenant during that five-day period has every right to approach the landlord and full pay the arrears, approach the landlord and get into an agreement or... Uh, if none of those two are uh, proposed, then the landlord on, in our example, the 8th, can file an eviction lawsuit with the uh, circuit court. Um, we're hearing from uh, attorney Timothy Hughes today. Uh, Tim's a, uh, a partner at Lavelle Law, and, and um, if you have not heard him before, you probably haven't uh, been listening frequently because he's a, a regular guest here, and you can catch many of his past podcasts and conversations along with some of his uh, articles and videos that he's been a part of at LavelleLaw.com. Plenty of information there. And, and today we're talking about the eviction process, which I guess just real quickly, Tim, is is it basically the same for residential properties as it is for commercial? Is it the same process? Uh, exact same process. Okay. And you mentioned a time period of, uh, you know, it could take uh, 45 days or so before the, the sheriff shows up. Um, and we'll we'll use that as a ballpark, give or take. But is this, you know, is it revocable in some way? So let's say you landlord files a lawsuit, the uh, the order is issued, um, you know, the sheriff hasn't shown up yet. And at that point in time, uh, the tenant comes up with the cash, they get the new job, they get whatever it takes, um, and say, okay, I'm I'm back. Um, can can you stop the process at that point? Short answer, yes. Um, the landlord's in control of the lo- the lawsuit. Yeah, unfortunately, on uh, the first day of filing of the eviction, if he spends money to file the lawsuit with the clerk of the court, that filing fee and the fee paid to the sheriff to serve the summons and complaint, that's been spent and there's no recovery of that. But uh, Typically, uh, tenants would reimburse the landlord for that, that that cost that they forced on the landlord, and that would be usually a condition that we'd tell the landlord you want because you know the tenant was the one who was late in payment. The tenant's the one who went uh, into uh, silence mode and didn't communicate that you know a family member was ill or passed and they were out of town and this and that. So. It wasn't the landlord's fault for not receiving the payment. It was the tenant who failed to pay. 
And, and as a landlord, do you, do you have other options besides eviction, or um, is that really what you're forced into in, in most of these cases? Most of these cases, it's uh, it's because the um, tenant has experienced a life event that's thrown him off, and he doesn't have the financial or economic power to renegotiate a lease with the landlord. So uh, the landlord needs the rental income to support his payments to the uh, bank for the mortgage or the insurance company or the the county treasurer for the property taxes. So the landlord's got to protect that cash flow and um, – if the landlord if the tenant's not communicating with the landlord the landlord is forced to proceed with the eviction to protect their investment and and with just a couple of minutes we have left here I'm going to combine a couple of topics because we've used you as a great resource on on multiple over the years but does bankruptcy factor in here can can a an eviction be delayed or put off if the tenant files for bankruptcy yes it can um if the tenant uh files for bankruptcy, he is protected by the automatic stay, and that would slow down the landlord. The landlord would then have to proceed to bankruptcy court to ask the court to lift the automatic stay so that they could proceed with uh, uh, the foreclosure. If the landlord has already got his order of possession, then the bankruptcy is too late, um, that the landlord is uh, got that judgment and can enforce it, but a tenant can file bankruptcy ahead of that date and slow down or stop the uh, landlord. Okay. And then it's, real quickly, just a, a closing thought here. Are there any instances in which uh, an eviction really might not be in the best interest of the landlord? Might they choose to find other solutions, or is that um, really all they're going to get so it's the best way to go? Uh, if a tenant will work with the landlord in, in a uh, lease termination, uh, that would be a better solution for the landlord because, again, the process can take two, three months maybe in a worst-case scenario, and during that time the landlord's not receiving rent and incurring costs of prosecuting the eviction. So working out a deal to surrender the property in a good condition to get a new tenant in would be better for the landlord than to assert his rights into eviction and get a judgment that may not be enforceable. Excellent. Well, it's a great way to wrap, wrap things up here. I always look forward to these visits with uh, Attorney Timothy Hughes of Lavelle Law, and I want to thank him for being with us today. Always a great uh, conversation when he's here. Uh, and as you've heard, uh, he offers great insight on topics like this, so I certainly uh, encourage you to reach out to Tim if you uh, need any assistance. Uh, always visit, uh, find out more about the practice at lavellelaw.com, and the number there is 847-705-7555.